This episode is with psychologist Bianca Hardin, who is a friend, colleague, and previous supervisor. In this episode, Bianca shares her journey into developing more safety and enjoyment in her life, as well as exploring personal agency, how we can get in our own way, and the body-centered and relational model of NARM, which is the neuroaffective relational model. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Embody Podcast, a show about remembering and embodying your true nature, inner wisdom, embodied healing, and self-love. My name is Candace Wu, and I'm a holistic healing facilitator, intuitive coach, and artist sharing my personal journey of vulnerability, offering meditations and guided healing support, and having co-creative conversations with healers and wellness practitioners from all over the world. This episode is supported by the Embodied Healing Group Call, which is a once a month call where you can get support for soul, body, heart, and spirit. This is a transformative way to both receive healing support at a lower cost than individual sessions, gain the support of others in a loving, compassionate experience, as well as support the podcast. In each online call, you'll receive transformative tools in moving through your emotions, tuning into your intuition and developing your empowerment in your body wisdom, as well as clearing limiting beliefs through your entire being and opening up your soul, body, and heart to what you want to explore and what you desire in your life. I love these groups because we just open up to the magic of your being to show us what's needed. You can find all the information for this on Patreon at CandiceWu.com slash Patreon. So this is really fun to have Bianca on the show. Bianca has really taught me how to live the experience of self-care and to be congruent with the words that I say about self-care in my life and in my um, in the workplace. So I worked with Bianca at Centered Therapy Chicago for about two and a half years as a holistic psychotherapist. And um, this was just a wonderful place for me to develop my early skills in combining all the different modalities of what I was offering. So it was always a little off the beaten path and on the fringe of healing work and psychotherapy. And Bianca just gave me all this trust for me to find my voice combining family constellations, combining somatic therapies and indigenous practices, as well as yoga and Ayurveda and just all the different ways that I connected energetically and spiritually. So I really wanted to have her on the show and talk about her and celebrate her as well. She's a licensed clinical psychologist and the owner of Centered Therapy Chicago, and she has the mission to help children, adolescents, and adults improve their mental health and quality of life. And she also presents in the community on issues related to parenting, child abuse prevention, self-care, mindfulness, trauma stewardship, and cultural issues. She enjoys working with clients who are in the mental health field who could benefit from getting additional support in the important work they're doing, who perhaps are struggling with vicarious trauma or burnout, and who are interested in receiving case consultation or support in their professional development. As we jump into this interview, I want to share that Bianca has an experiential of NARM, the Neuroaffective Relational Model, coming up this week, and that is connected with this episode. And you can find her entire episode and the experiential at CandiceWu.com slash Bianca. 
B-I-A-N-K. So without further ado, let's welcome Bianca to the show. So Bianca, it's wonderful to have you on the show today. I wanted to just start out with our unique and synchronous story of coming into each other's lives at different points. We started off, I think our first point of contact was you walking into my yoga class where your son goes to school. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then I babysat for your son and that was yes. lovely. I got to know your family. And yes. then maybe we we had some distance for some time. And later I found out you were, well, at that time I found out you were a professor at faculty member at the Chicago School. Right. And then I was studying psychology. And when I got out of school, we just happened to have tea and you just happened to need another therapist in your practice. And I was like, me, me, <laughs> like, well, I would love this. And the timing was just so beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. So I just wanted to share those pieces of our story and how I know you and how I've come to love and appreciate you as a friend, as a colleague, and as a supervisor at Centered Therapy Chicago, where you have your private practice as a psychologist. And one of the biggest things of my connection with you is loving myself and appreciating myself by treating myself with care. Mm, and I know that's mm -hmm. a big thing that you, yeah, that you speak to. So welcome to the show, Bianca. Thank you. Well, I wanted to add one more piece to our puzzle. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you remember, but I started attending meditation classes at Meditate Chicago and oh, yeah. I went for a class and I ran into you there that's and that's right. where we, we reconnected and I said, come over to my space for tea. Let's talk about what you're doing in your life. That was magical. That was so yes. fun. Yes. yes. <laughs> that's and, right. That's right. And I, um, one thing that I often do is I say, you, we can call it a prayer or, um, asking the universe, but I often say, um, you know, show me the right people, show me the right space, show me how to make a difference in people's lives, the community and the world. So I had been like saying those blessings or prayers. Um, and so I really trust that when people come in, it's not just by chance, it's actually God or the universe's way to kind of say, she's right here. Yeah. You know, why don't you ask Candace to work for you? <laughs> and I think I asked you to work for me in that same tea meeting. Like <laughs> I, I think so. And I I was I was desiring the same thing. And yeah. Yeah, I I that is that is another thing that I love about about you and what I've learned from you is that trust and trusting mm -hmm. in the universe and trusting in the right things showing up. And there it was. It felt so right. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it it's beautiful. And I think when we kind of, one of the classes that Andrew, that I took from Andrew at Meditate was kind of um, a visualization um, meditation course where you kind of visualize what you want in your life and then it manifests. It's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I often am praying for kind of that, that vision or that guidance or just to kind of show me what what will work for me or what I need or, or the right answer. Um, it's beautiful. And so when it happens, you can just feel it in your gut, you know, like this is yeah. so right, you know, it's beautiful. 
Yeah, there's a, a knowing and it's so, it, yeah, it's so beautiful because it's this unfolding of aligned things coming in your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to reconnect with you, uh, you know, on your podcast. It's such an honor to speak with you. And I, I often um, listen to your podcast um, while I'm on vacation. I walk by the lake or the beach and I listen to your beautiful podcasts and they're so inspirational. So thank you for having me on today. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. It's wonderful to have you. I, I want to just start off with a question about about you on your journey now. You know, we've talked about our just coming together at different times and the right points in our lives. And I am curious what this conversation together, you know, unfolds, Mm -hmm. but also where are you in your life journey now and what is interesting for you now? Well, I feel like I'm someone who has so many things popping, Uh, you know, um, a -hmm. lot of things happen at once for me and I get really um, excited and inspired by so many things. So I would say that I'm really inspired by my own personal healing and the potential for healing. And as I do my own work, it just opens my eyes up to the power of healing work that we all are doing or could be doing and how that could just really improve the world. Um, really, um, Mm -hmm. In terms of um, changing um, generational patterns of of trauma, of hurt, of anxiety, of um, relational difficulties, and it's been really neat, um, just kind of peeling off the layers of my own, I guess, defenses or protective strategies to kind of uncover what's underneath from that um, has been really inspiring mm-hmm. for me. And so um, I've been really thinking about um, intergenerational legacies of trauma, um, developmental trauma, social, historical, political trauma, and kind of thinking about me being um, half German and half Southern and how, what influences have led to kind of where I'm at today and really my own self-care as a therapist, like how do I take care of myself so that I can be the best therapist that I can be kind of in this moment. Um, So those are a few things that are kind of on my mind lately. Mm -hmm. That's really exciting. So Mm -hmm. what have you found in terms of being half German and half from the South that does influence your, your pathway or what you, what you're working with now? Well, it's been really interesting that, um, so my mother's side is German and my father's side um, is Southern uh, from South Carolina. And I've Mm -hmm. always been super curious about, you know, their childhoods, where do they come from? What's the family story? Lots of questions, right? And I Mm -hmm. wondered, am I so curious because people aren't talking about things, you know? Like Uh it's as if I need to investigate kind of what my roots and my heritage is. And so um, I found myself teaching a class called um, Intergenerational Legacies of Trauma in Post-World War II Germany um, at the Chicago School with my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Pam Nezelhowski. And we um, teach on campus and then we go to Germany for 10 days. And 
it's as if I'm learning about myself through this class because we haven't discussed it in my family. There are certain things that are, we don't talk about that as the message. You know, we don't talk about what happened before that might be too difficult. Or I kind of grew up with a message of if things become emotional, you know, let's just, let's just not talk about that. So I think my way of figuring <laughs> out who I am is through this journey of teaching this class and going over to Germany and visiting historical sites and really understanding that. And in the class, we also um, go to a family constellations workshop and kind of do an experiential uh, with that. And I've been learning about how the things aren't that aren't talked about that aren't expressed are all in me, you know, and that somehow I'm holding on to things that maybe it wasn't safe to explore because of actual safety issues. And now that yeah. I'm kind of in a safer environment, I'm having access to all these intense feelings. And one thing that I've learned is that I'm intensely fearful. I have a lot of um, worries about my own personal safety or the safety of my family and I just thought that was normal, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, well, you wouldn't know anything different, <laughs> right? Like, you know, this is what you felt exactly. all your like, life, right? What You mean you haven't figured out the escape route out of this in case the building goes on fire or, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, this is the way you thought everyone experienced it? <laughs> like, right. Come right. on. You know, so I would see women walking at night with headphones on or jogging. And I'm like, oh no, that ain't safe. You know, and it's as if <laughs> I, I thought at all times something could happen to me. And um, for me, I guess I thought that was my norm, but what that really resulted in is a lot of hyper arousal and a very activated nervous system. And I started learning this more through somatic experiencing and through the neuroaffective relational model and kind of thinking like, wow, like I'm actually don't feel safe and I'm not trustful for others. And my whole life, I thought I trusted people, you know, and I've learned that mm -hmm. this distrust is not there. And so I think um, it's been really enlightening to figure out the depth of this lack of safety that I carry around with me on a daily basis and how freeing it's been through my work with SE and NARM and um, Family Constellations that um, I was just on a road trip and I actually was enjoying the ride instead of thinking of all the ways the car could veer off the road, you know, and <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm so glad you experienced that. Yeah. <laughs> it makes such a difference. Yeah. When people told me they love driving and they enjoy the ride, I always thought like, I don't get that at all. I don't understand that. Yeah. And, and actually it was happening to me and I'm thinking, this is amazing. You know, this country is so yeah. beautiful. The landscape is so beautiful. And I just felt this sense of safety. That's kind of a newer feeling for me. And, it, it, you know, I feel emotional just kind of touching into that. It's beautiful. You could experience what was around you with, with appreciation and feel safe in it. Exactly. Yeah, so I think I've just been really curious about um, German history, German-American history, and um, history of the Holocaust. And then I've been very curious about Southern history 
and slavery and issues mm. of race and racism. And it's, it's not an obsession for me. It's just like an intense curiosity and wanting to know and learn more and kind of explore the topics that have been taboo in my family, you know, that we don't talk about that. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like that's connected with this sort of innate desire to know the truth, to know, to know the story? I think so. I mean, I think I have a deep curiosity about the truth and people's stories, my own story, right? Um, Mm -hmm. How, and, and why did this happen? You know, why were people so hateful to one another? Why, how could this level of violence occur? What leads to that or what allows that in, in, in a society to happen? You know, I, I just really want to know. And so I find myself going to historical sites and reading novels um, or historical fiction, you know, that really help me better understand that. And it can be really deeply painful at times to open those doors and look in. But I also feel like that's also a way of honoring people and what happened in our in our history. You know, we can't just pretend these things didn't happen when they did. And I think that's really important. And I think that's what's really missing in the United States is this deep curiosity about how did this happen? Why did this happen? How is it still occurring? And it seems like there's this desire to close the door on that and just move forward and not look backwards. Whereas in Germany, um, when I visited, there's lots of historical markers and an acknowledgement of this history that is so intensely painful and there's a lot of shame there. At least um, that's what I experienced growing up. My mother was born right after World War II. You know, like we don't talk about that and it's really doesn't feel good to talk Mm -hmm. about it. But now there's lots of markers and places to visit. And there's this acknowledgement of the history, which I think is really healing. I think that's very healing. And I, I experienced that, too, when I was in Germany in December of last year. I got to see part of the wall. And that's not exactly, you know, the topic of what you're speaking of. But just to even see that experience of a piece of the Berlin Wall and to see that honored as part of the history. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And just very honoring of the experience of people that are in the the roots of this country. And that is part of what we explore in the class is, um, you know, the legacy of the wall and, and what happened before, during and after the wall and how that impacts people. The experience of Um, immigration and how immigrants um, have been treated historically. Um, You know, all of that goes into passing down legacies of trauma or resilience and healing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like when we put mistrust or distrust or safety issues or fears in the context of the whole lineage, it, it somehow for me then makes sense to my life. It's like, oh, (laughs) There's a context for for where this made sense in the past, where it was a reality, and it can release me of of what's being held in me now. How do you experience it? Yeah, I mean, I I think that um, through some work that I've done, there was kind of a story that was really enlightening to me, um, where 
I was at a NARM training and outside of the training, there was um, kind of a hiking area. And uh, I really like being outside. I love walking. Even though I have fears of something happening, I don't let that get in the way of me actually doing things. Um, so I remember I, w- I wanted to find this hiking trail and it was in um, Lyle near, um, not Lyle, sorry. It was in Warrenville near Naperville, you know, a mm-hmm. quote unquote safe uh, suburban area. And I, I mm-hmm. recognized I had intense anxiety about going hiking on this trail by myself. And I'm like, You're, just do it. You know, like probably nothing's going to happen <laughs> to you. Probably, you know, probably nothing's going to happen to you. Probably. And, yeah, probably. <laughs> and I um, couldn't find the path. So I turned around and ran into a, a fellow trainee and I said, oh, are you looking for the trail? And she said, yes. And I said, oh, can we look together? I can't find it. She's like, that would be great. I, I would be afraid of running into a wild animal out there by myself. And I said, wild animal, I'm worried about a wild person. You know, like, <laughs> and, and then we, okay. we kind of laughed because, you know, we both had fears, but mine was of the human yeah. kind, you know? Yeah. And I'm... <laughs> And so then I, I kept thinking about that, like, why, why would I be afraid of running into, um, you know, a dangerous person out in the trail? And I'm fully aware um, that there is violence against women. And, uh, but it felt more intense than that. It felt more like this is a legitimate 100% fear. And, you know, I already thought like, what if they don't find me? They're going to send out the rescue crews. At least you have your cell phone. So I'm already triaging and figuring out like what would happen if I disappeared, you know? Yeah. The game plan. (laughs) The game plan. So um, I kind of kept this fresh with me and I was like turning it over in my head a little bit. I'm like, this is really intense, Bianca. Um, And I wasn't saying it in a way that I was looking down on myself. It was in a compassionate way. You know, I was like, wow, this Mm -hmm. is is really hard that you feel this way. And um, I ended up doing a NARM touch session. And during that session, I realized that I was holding on to someone else's fear. Like that actually wasn't mine. And it was like this epiphany that I had where I'm like, wow, actually, I don't need to hold on to that anymore. That is not needed for me. And it's like, as if I had it in my hands and I put it to the side and I said, this belongs to someone else, you know? Yeah. And then I had this emotional experience. And after that, I felt so much lighter. Now I can't say that it's gone, but I would say that it was this realization that happened that what I was carrying did not belong to me that belonged to probably other women or other relatives in my lineage you know because I'm guessing Mm -hmm. that whatever happened to my relatives during World War One or World War Two was really scary Mm -hmm. and that I'm not living during that time right now you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I actually, that level of fear that I carried, is it necessary? Absolutely. Yeah. So it was really powerful and it kind of helped me better understand this intergenerational trauma and that it feels real. You know, like I had an experience yeah. where I went down to my laundry room and I had intense fear after I started doing this work. I think things got really, um, 
hmm, I felt very uh, fragile and delicate doing some of this work. And then I had an experience where I got very afraid and I knew what was happening. I said, this doesn't match the situation, but what you're feeling is real. Mm-hmm. And it feels intense and it's incredibly scary. And I worked with a, a therapist who held that for me, with me, and allowed me to be with these feelings. And it was so powerful. It was really amazing. It's really powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and me allowing space for these experiences has led to me having greater capacity for joy, for figuring things out, for, um, oh, wow, just, I felt so expansive and, and relaxed. And it's kind of like, I'm figuring out, I'm like a new person. I don't know, like, yeah, well, so much of your energy was right. Yeah, so much of your energy was holding a fear that wasn't yours. Exactly. And to, for that to be relieved, it's like all this space and energy is you and yours. And who, what now? Yeah. I mean, wow. it, it's really amazing because I have always thought of myself as a laid back person. At least that's what, when they, people see me, that's what they, you know, that's what they tell me. And it's mm-hmm. like, wow, I could, I am that. And I had all this fear, right. Um, mm-hmm. And anxiety, and the the healing work of body oriented psychotherapy um, has really, gosh, created so many possibilities for me. It's really, um, wow, it's it's really freeing. And so I continue to think about how I'm feeling and say, wow, this is new and different. I feel more in touch with my aliveness. You know, um, my life's energy is really freed up. Um, which has been really great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And so you mentioned NARM, the mm-hmm. neuroaffective relational model. I, yeah. I want to hear more about that and your experience with it. Yeah. Well, I um, learned about NARM through uh, my trainer, uh, Brad Kammer, and um, he introduced me to it. I went to um, a day-long intro when I met him through the somatic experiencing community. And NARM is based off of Dr. Larry Heller's book, Healing Developmental Trauma. It's almost like these worlds came together through this model that I really appreciate because it's the foundation is based on multiple models, um, but it's relational. It's based off of psychodynamic, cognitive, behavioral, somatic experiencing, interpersonal neurobiology. And I'm probably forgetting a few other things, but it's this relational um, model that works both top down and bottom up. And so I appreciate both being able to work top down and bottom up. And that I think the potential for healing is so great in that I've done traditional therapy, I've done somatic experiencing, and now I've done NARM. And I think for me, it's this coming together of these ways of thinking about how my early life experiences have shaped me and kind of these strategies that I utilized to protect myself were developed really early on in life based on those experiences. And yet now as an adult, I continue to utilize them when maybe my experiences, and they are, are very different. And so I've been able to see ways that I have protected myself 
that maybe aren't serving me as much now as an adult. And I have realized what was really powerful is that I'm very good at attuning to others and predicting what other people need. And I needed to do that as a child. I needed to know what my caregivers needed, wanted. Um, I needed to, you know, I was a good girl and I I always wanted to make Mm -hmm. sure I was doing the right thing. Yeah, you and me both. That is one <laughs> one of my protective ways as well. Exactly. And you know what that yeah. does is that makes us really good therapists, right? Like I am really good at sizing up a situation and adjusting myself to adapt to the other, right? Mm-hmm. That's great. However, if you said, well, what do you want, Bianca? What do you need? What do you prefer? You know, and uh, as a mother, yeah. you have a child who's always like, what's your favorite? And then I think, well, <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's great. I don't know what my favorite <laughs> is, but I know what your favorite is. Right? <laughs> right. You come to know everybody but yourself. Exactly. And so what I realized as was. As a survival. Yes. Mm. I needed to mm. do that. And that kept me safe. And there's so many benefits of that in my life now. But. I really didn't deeply know myself, right? So that yeah. has been really um, perplexing <laughs> as, you know, a 47-year-old woman who is, I would say, accomplished, you know, successful. And it's like, wow, I, I don't know myself as well as I thought I did. Like, I know how to... What a profound thing to get to. Yes. Like I know, yeah. I know how to have a successful relationship and have good friends, but what I realized was I was really protecting myself and not not only not sharing my deep self, but maybe not even knowing my deep self as much as I would like to, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I can so relate to that. Yeah. That whole journey. Exactly. Yeah. And so what NARM has done is something that traditional therapy hadn't done for me because what I could do in traditional therapy is size up the therapist and kind of let them know what I think they wanted to know. But like mm-hmm. with NARM, you start off with kind of a contract is what's in your heart's desire. What would you like for yourself today? What do you, how do you want to use this time? Well, when someone comes mm-hmm. at me in that way, it's like, I felt like I was in a deer, a deer in headlights. Like, Wait, okay. You mean you really want to know what I want? <laughs> right. Um, is that is that a real question? Like what <laughs> that's a question people ask? Well <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I understand that. It's it's like spending so much energy with knowing other people and what they need and what they're feeling. There's just no room for yourself in that sort of place. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so what surprised me was how much emotion was there with that for me. Like, I felt really young, you know, really vulnerable. Yeah, so it was not only a hard question to answer, but like, it's almost like I felt touched that someone really wanted to know me, you know, and really cared and that attunement was there. Because with NARB, it's really, the therapist doesn't have an agenda, you know, the therapist really wants to know what is it that you want for yourself? It's not about fixing someone or it's not about being goal oriented. It's really about like the person's heart, you know, 
And um, I think that's just what I needed for, for, for who I am, you know, it was mm-hmm. to really, um, really get in touch with my own heart's desire at an, a really authentic, deep level. And in the support of someone that really wanted to know and to hold the space for that, that sounds, sounds really powerful. Yeah. And also figuring out the ways that I get in my own way. And the, the model is also about, you know, personal agency and um, what are the ways, like I, maybe I have a heart's desire, I do, but what are the ways that maybe I get in my own way of, of getting to that, you know, cause I'm using these old strategies that I used to have to protect myself. And so I've been really working on um, authenticity and vulnerability and sharing my heart and my voice and stepping into vulnerability. and boy, it's been kind of scary and emotional. Um, but mm-hmm. yet highly interpersonally rewarding and, and, and personally rewarding, but also like my personal relationships have really deepened. Yeah. It's, that's what I want for myself is to be authentic, mm-hmm. to be vulnerable, to be in deep connection with people, deep, authentic connection. And so mm-hmm. That's um, what I'm working on and I'm working on it every day. And um, there's lots of tears and, and um, you know, uh, you don't always feel um, whatever wall I had up, right, it is, is now lessened through my personal decision and it can still be there when I need it to be, but it feels like deep growth. It sounds like it. Mm-hmm. So with Naram, are you talking about it like talking about the protections or is it more so relating and then seeing how that shows up Mm -hmm. between you and the therapist or how does that there's the se element of it sounds like of being with what comes up in the feelings in the body how does that all look yeah well so you're looking for psychobiological shifts in the client and or within yourself if you're if you're the client um and I think it could look very different depending on the on the client or on the therapist. So because I'm a therapist, I'm very interested in the process. And so when I do my experientials, I'm very curious about the theoretical and the interventions. But um, not all clients might be as interested in that. I do. Mm-hmm. I personally believe with all therapy that having psychoeducation is an important part of the process. And so I think it demystifies the process for clients. And I think knowledge is power. And so when I work with clients, I like to share with them kind of my observations or what I'm doing, or just to give them an informational framework, but not all clients want that or need that or ask for that. So um, I, Mm -hmm. I typically do a little bit of that. And if a client really, it resonates with them, then I'll do more of that. If it doesn't resonate, then I'll pull back a little bit. Um, it's really about kind of what I believe they want and what helps them. Um, so I think you can adjust the model per client. So one thing that um, I was talking to you about before we started the show was this great sense of expansion that I had when I was thinking about enjoying the ride. And I was really tickled about how much fun I was having on this car ride journey that I had not experienced before because I'd be more typical for me to have anxiety. I had this great feeling of 
expansion. And then we kind of turned a corner, <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> and then I looked down and there was like a ravine with a stream. And then I started thinking about like the danger. Do you know what I mean? And what would happen if the car went yeah. off the road and I had this contraction, you know, um, where not only did I have a little bit of anxiety, I had a lot of anxiety. It was almost like I had this great expansion and then this contraction, you know? And so that's something that mm-hmm. is pretty common um, with NARM. And uh, that's something where um, I, some of my clients and I, we talk about that, like to normalize that process rather than me thinking like, oh, I've made no progress at all. Look at me. I'm even more anxious than I've ever been. I thought, oh, you know what? This is the contraction. Mm-hmm. You felt so expansive and so open and your heart was wide open to the experience that you're having, like seeing all this beauty. and then now you're kind of in a contraction and this is going to go away. You know, this is going to be temporary and it's okay. So it's kind Mm -hmm. of this way of me knowing the model helped me have more compassion for myself and not be hard on myself about it. Just kind of understand this is what's happening now. So that really helped me. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important Yeah, because so often people have that thought then that comes right after that, that yeah, this is a setback or I thought I was doing better. Right. And it's all part of that, the process of the body learning more capacity. And because actually that intensity was there says a lot about the expansion that was happening right. as a reflection of it. So you mentioned about agency in NARM and I'm curious about how you work with agency or what it means. Yeah. So NARM is all about agency um, in that how are we playing a role in what's happening kind of in our lives and in the the um, use of protective strategies or what are our own ways of either getting in the way of what we really want or helping us get to what we really want. And so um, I found that there are ways that I really pressure myself and I was doing it before we started the show. I think I joked with you about how I was really putting a lot of pressure on myself and having, um, (laughs) oh, what did I call it? Um, Performance anxiety, right? And so I was pressuring myself. Here Mm -hmm. I am talking to lovely Candace, wanting to talk about what's on my heart and my mind, what's inspiring me. And then I noticed I'm pressuring myself because what if I don't do a good enough job or explain things good enough, right? So I'm getting in my own way of speaking to what's on Mm -hmm. my heart and what's inspiring me, right? So what I can do Mm -hmm. now through a norm's lens Mm -hmm. is realize the ways I am doing things that may get in the way of what my heart's desire is. For example, um, the, the stories we tell ourselves, you know, or being really hard on ourselves, like if we make an error. Like, for example, during the podcast, what if I didn't explain the concept Mm -hmm. of agency right, right? I might then start shaming and blaming myself because I didn't do a good enough job and kind of go down this mental path of people aren't going to be happy with me that I didn't do a good enough job explaining what agency is. Well, it's actually okay if I mess up. (laughs) You know what I mean? Then I'll just fix it. It's it's all right. Yeah. But um, I've noticed for myself, there are ways that I do that. I pressure myself or I blame and shame myself or I'm hard on myself 
for being human, right? It's as if uh, making a mistake is not acceptable, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of us have grown up in environments that have been extremely critical, um, kind of noticing flaws or needing to try to achieve perfection. And sometimes when we grow up that way, we then pressure ourselves to be perfect or not to make mistakes. And really, I notice that a lot. And I'm, I've been really working on that of not shaming and blaming myself and pressuring myself, but just accepting myself. And the outcome has been that I have felt calmer, definitely more relaxed, more forgiving of myself, but not only of myself, but others too. And kind of when I say everyone makes mistakes, mistakes are really learning opportunities. It actually is genuine. I really feel that way. And um, there's just been mm -hmm. more of a, a settling around life is messy and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Naming those things, noticing those things that really can put you in the place of not getting what you want or exactly. moving towards yourself the way you want. And being kinder or choosing right. a different way with it. Right. And so when we can kind of notice these things, then we have an opportunity to continue doing it, right? Or we can do something different. You know, it's kind of like, hey, you have these choices mm -hmm. here. What would you like to do? Yeah, I think that's so freeing. Exactly. Because there isn't shame with that. It's choice. When you know it, it's choice. And we, we have the yeah. right to continue doing it the way we're doing it. It's it's a question of do we want to and how do we want to do it? Right. And what's great is that the client gets to choose that. You know, they know what's best for them. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's about agency and also yeah. giving choice, you know, and not being tied to the outcome as the therapist. You know, what, um, what Brad would say is that it's very freeing. You know, this is a model where the therapist often feels much freer. Um, you know, we're not goal oriented. Um, we're really um, looking to see what works for the client, you know, and, and they get to choose that. Absolutely. Beautiful. Well, I wanted to ask you about what brings you joy right now. And the thing is, you <laughs> named like so many things yeah. that bring you joy in your life. <laughs> and, and I wondered what you would say. So yeah, what brings you joy or what makes you feel alive? I um I really love being by the beach, by water. Um I was just on vacation. I went to Hilton Head. Um and I love walking on the beach. And I love the sound of the the waves and the wind and the nature the smell of the air, the sand on my feet. I like kind of walking by the waves, maybe letting them wash over my feet. It might be a little cold, that's okay. But like just really being um, by the water really brings me joy. That sounds so yummy. Yeah, so like soothing mm -hmm. for my soul. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So being in nature. A good reminder, yes, being in nature. Yeah, I mean, just getting yeah. outside, and I'm so blessed to live in Chicago, and we have this beautiful lakefront, and I've just been enjoying going to the beach. I mean, not recently, because it's been winter, but um, 
I mean, right. even when it's cold, it's beautiful. You know, like walking by the lake, it's just a really soothing experience. And um, it makes me think like, when we live so close to something beautiful, why wouldn't we take advantage of it? You know? Um, yeah. Right. And um, what? Yeah, absolutely. What's that term um, where it's like, I forget, it's like, bathing in the woods um where you're out walking in nature and it's like this soothing experience there's a term that I learned recently and I'm not pulling it up right now um I don't think I know it oh really okay I thought you might um it, hmm it's like forest bathing or something like that where it just speaks to like this reparative experience of being in nature and how healing and soothing and calming it is and um, I feel like it's something I personally want to do more of. You know, I feel really inspired by being outside and connecting with nature. Well, whatever that's called, I did it the other day. I just <laughs> walked down the street in Michigan and I was like, Earth, just take me. You know, I just yeah. surrendered myself into nature. And I often like to picture myself being buried by the earth mm. it's very soothing for me mm -hmm. I get to feel into the quiet and sense into um the nutrients of the earth mm -hmm. and in yeah and in tantric practice in tantric yoga that's that's a way to we have the ability to sense into the elements and to taste them to smell them to feel the vibration mm. even if we're not actually doing it yeah um so it's not just imagining it's actually touching into our elemental nature mm. and yeah this walk the other day I was like just just absorb me nature you know just let me come back home to this yeah to my nature and it helps me just release some of the emotions that were going on in me and I started coughing coughing up a lung <laughs> which, which um for me for me it's uh like there's some energy in my body that yeah. my body is just expelling and that coughing is a clearing of that yes. so was, yeah such a simple thing to do but can be so powerful yeah I listened to your energetic boundaries podcast and you talked about that mm -hmm. well we've talked about that too like that clearing that mm -hmm. happens yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm just reminded of uh supervision meetings with you where sometimes we would walk and talk and yes. we'd be outside yeah, and you would just remind me to look at the outlines of the trees. Oh yes, I love and we'd looking slow at down. trees. Oh, the best. Yeah, it's, it's the best. It's like this simple thing we can do for ourselves, and so easy in a way can be easy. Yeah, I've been really into walking meetings instead of sitting meetings, and if we can walk mm -hmm. outside and look at nature, and I am like really um, captivated by nature and I am known to stop the conversation abruptly and say look at that you know <laughs> so beautiful <laughs> and uh, it's just that it's hard to pass up something you know it's like a gift you know that you are able to yeah. see this and I guess it's kind of a form of mindfulness taking it all in what's around you in that moment and really appreciating it yeah and we spend so much time looking at our screens and our phones up yeah. close that when we look far in the distance, like that's a muscle that we're, I think we're losing if we don't stay with it. 
Yeah, something that's hard on me personally as a therapist is all the sitting um, that I do. And I think taking opportunities to walk outside during either a networking meeting or a supervision meeting, or just even taking the time um, during a break to get outside is so needed. Mm-hmm. It just shifts the energy, you know, it's really Absolutely. important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing with me on the show today and sharing with our audience today. Is there anything else that feels important to share or interesting or alive for you now? No, I mean, I, I had a really enjoyable time talking to you and I really honor and appreciate you so much. And just really great to um, have this conversation with you. And um, I always enjoy talking with you. I feel like many of our conversations could be podcasts. <laughs> They're always so I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> we always get to some depth of something and, yeah. and some fun with each other. And yeah, yeah. thank you so much. It's been a, a pleasure and a real honor to have you. And I know that you're having a NARM workshop coming up. Do you yes. want to share about that at the end of April? Yes, I would love to. Um, we're me and uh, Gina Essex, she is um, a NARM uh, lead assistant um, and quite knowledgeable in NARM. Um, her and I are co-facilitating a workshop at Chicago Body Mind Wellness Studio on Saturday, April 27th during the day. And um, it's an introduction to NARM. From, it's from about 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And we're inviting anyone who's really interested in uh, developmental trauma come by and you can sign up online. I'm also doing a workshop on my own. It'll be my first solo flight into teaching a day-long introductory workshop. uh, Wow. I know. I'm excited slash nervous slash excited. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm spreading my wings and um, that'll be on June 21st. Yeah. At Harper college in the suburbs. So yeah, I'll get you more information about that, but um, wonderful. I I would love for anyone interested in working with developmental trauma to just come check out the workshop because we're going to be starting a larger training in Chicago um, in late July, which is about a year long. And that's where you go really in depth with the model. And that, Uh, for me was a very transformative experience working with trauma survivors for 20 years. And I've gone to a lot of trainings and I would say um, it was one of the best trainings I've ever been to and um, great connections personally for me and interpersonally. So I highly recommend it. Excellent. Yeah. Great. Yeah. We'll put all that in the show notes when you have the information and uh, where can people find you, Bianca? I am at uh, Center Therapy Chicago, and I have a website, www.centeredtherapychicago.com. We have a Facebook page called Center Therapy Chicago, and we are currently in the North Center neighborhood of Chicago at 4124 North Lincoln. We'll be um, moving location shortly, but we're going to be staying in the same neighborhood. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Bianca. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Fabulous to have you. Yeah, thank you so much. It was wonderful to talk to Bianca today. I'm so glad you were here listening, and I hope that you received something interesting out of that or could relate to her anxieties or her experience in her body. I think that uh, that deeply resonates with 
me, a past part of me, some people think that I have just always been this Zen kind of calm person or uh, a lot of people enjoy listening to my voice and the calmness that comes in it. But I spent a good solid 26 or so years being in anxiety and depression and not being in my body at all where I didn't feel safe at all, but I didn't even know it for so many years. And the story of how Bianca uh, felt a shift in herself where she actually could enjoy her body and enjoy what's around her, that was something I definitely went through and was a very transformative experience, those first moments of experiencing it. So uh, that's very related to my story as well. If you're interested in NARM or somatic experiencing or what Bianca has to offer, including the parenting and mindfulness or trauma stewardship, feel free to reach out to Bianca. And I encourage you to connect with her NARM experiential around settling in connection with the neuroaffective relational model. So she's going to offer an exercise that is focused on connection and facilitating a deep sense of settling in the body. Again, you can find that experiential later this week on the podcast or at the website at candicewu.com slash Bianca. Before you go today, I want to invite you to sign up for the bi-monthly newsletter, which offers self-love notes and tips for healing and embodiment, as well as just reminders to love yourself, get in touch with your spirit, learn about yourself and listen to your inner voice, and keep up to date on retreats and workshops as well as the podcasts that are going out. Feel free to sign up for that at candicewu.com slash embody. Also for any of my listeners that are interested in exploring in a 20 minute free consultation, if you are a new client to me or somebody that has just connected with the podcast and is interested in learning about the healing modalities or how we would support you in your deepest desires in connection with yourself and loving yourself, feel free to reach out to me and um, schedule a free session. There's no pressure to continue in sessions with me or in anything, but it's uh, lovely to connect with all of you who are out there, who are interested in your own growth, who are interested in feeling whole in yourself right now. And um, we can have this conversation and just see what your next steps are or make a connection. In that experience, I can also share my intuitive sense of what might be supportive for you in your journey and uh, support you in getting there. If you'd like to connect with me that way, feel free to hop on my website at candicewu.com connect. Well, it's been a wonderful time having you here and I look forward to connecting with all of you in some way or another. Thank you so much. Sending you lots of love and wishing you all the joy that you desire in your life. See you next time on the Embody Podcast.